All right, people, we are here to kick off March Madness. No, that is not March Madness in terms of the American sports. I'm talking about March Madness in the sense of this is a very rare instance. It's going to be tricky. It's going to be difficult. But I think that we could pull it off here at the Talking TV family. I'm joined once again by my good friend and co-host Luke of Luke Reviews. Where And in order to kind of break down what March Madness will be, I will explain. We will be doing a double topic podcast every single weekend of March and we're kicking it off this weekend with the premiere I'm calling it the battle of the threes the premiere of the third season of the Mandalorian along with the release of possibly I think nobody's most anticipated threequel Creed 3 but I think surprised a lot of people Luke you got any thoughts before we get this started uh no I just know that I enjoyed one a lot more than the other me too definitely all that and more in today's episode of the talking tv podcast What's up, people? Welcome back to yet another episode of the Talking TV Podcast. I am, of course, Dom the Movie Nerd, joined once again by Luke of Luke Reviews. And this is the beginning of March Madness, where we will be tackling a double podcast every single weekend. I, Luke, I just want to take a second and break down just the amount of stuff that we are going to be getting this month in March. It is insane to say the least. So just to give you guys a little look-see ahead as far as what the schedule is entailed, we are recovering Mandalorian and Creed 3 today. Next weekend, I will be joined by Kristen and Dustin in order to break down the release of Scream 6 as well as the final five episodes of You Season 4. And the weekend after that, we will be breaking down Shazam! Fury of the Gods along with the release of the third and possibly final season of Ted Lasso. And then we'll be wrapping up the month with John Wick Chapter 4 and the premiere of Succession's fourth and final Season. I, I think it's fitting that the month begins with a battle of the threes and ends with a battle of the fours before we transition into April. And that's just what we've got on the podcast docket. As far as other stuff that we've got going on, we also had the release of the Amazon miniseries Daisy Jones and the Six. The first three episodes of that premiered on Amazon yesterday. We also will have the premiere of Yellow Jacket Season 2, another Amazon original called The Power Extrapolations on Apple TV+. And as far as movies go, we have 65. We have Champions. We, we, we got a lot of stuff coming this month. I, I, I'm going to be amazed if we're able to cover half of it. But needless to say, we're, we're kicking off the month with two big, big properties of two things that kind of very much reared in the second half of the last decade and have had interesting journeys up until this point. Luke, I think it's safe to say that we were very much looking forward to one and didn't necessarily have any expectations for the other. And this is yet another one of those scenarios where those two have been like kind of flipped. I mean, I, at least that's my thoughts. I, I don't know about you, but. I guess I was the opposite. I was very much looking forward to the the punch-up and not so much to the other one. because Really? I, yeah, because after Andor, you kind of think, oh, well, they're, they're not going to be able to do that again with The Mandalorian, with their very episodic format. I was watching The Mandalorian thinking, this could be a really good video game. Like, you know what's, you know what's very funny? level based. You know what's funny that you say that because I feel like that's what a lot of people have saying, not just about this season, but like since the beginning of the show, which where the like the Mandalorian, and it, it's weird because I, I, that does kind of tie back into a, a discussion that you and I had previously about kind of how video games and video game storytelling are starting to seep their way into modern day properties. Because you're right, it's it's so weird because 
the the Mandalorian is like this this groundbreaking gigantic property. It's the first ever live action Star Wars TV show. It's the it's the kickoff, the incentive for people to get into Disney Plus back in 2019. But the structure of the show and the storytelling device with which they employ it feels like it's constantly been the biggest thing that it's had going against it. I remember when we co- when Chris and I covered it back when it first released. It was one of our first ever podcast episodes back in November 2019. And we were both like very, very much split on it. For me, I know I was very positive towards it because for me, just the fact that we got something that was different than r- rather disappointing Star Wars movie after disappointing Star Wars movie, not only just a different approach to the story but a different approach to almost the genre right because we'd always been so used to that one version of star wars and then rogue one kind of showed okay we this is how we can kind of take this in a different direction and mandalorian continued to prove that you know with again like this episodic western adventure that is kind of just a series of quests that the character has to complete you know the character is completely masked so aside from the few times that pedro pascal actually shows up on set and actually takes off the helmet off you know you can actually like What's going? You know, there, there isn't really anything to latch onto. So you can kind of like almost imagine yourself as the character as they're going on the little side missions, along with you know the Disney, the the you know the Disney plush toy that they throw in there in order to make everybody buy the toys with with the Grogu character. And so as time has gone on, right, you had season two come out right in the midst of the pandemic, where we really had nothing else going on. So I feel like that might have been why people were a little bit more positive, leaning towards it, as far as you know that that being the season where. We got the legacy characters back because season one, for the most part, was all original characters. You know, we saw a few familiar locations, but for the most part, it was original characters. It was original locations, places that we'd never seen or been before. And then season two, that's when they start bringing in the Clone Wars legacy characters. That's when we get Ahsoka. That's when we get Bo-Katan. That's when we get, um, what's it called? That's when we get Boba Fett. That's when we get Luke, you know? And then it leads into kind of the second wave of Star Wars nostalgia that we got last year in 2022 well actually you know what l- l- let me take a step back because first we have 2021 where with the exception of bad batch we get no new star wars content and then we move into 2022 which is when star wars officially makes its return with book of boba fett obi-wan and andor and that's when we're just like officially back in legacy field so i guess the reason why i was looking forward to mandalorian season this season a it was the fact that it had been so long since the last season but b it was the fact that as good as andor was it was still a legacy character that we were that we already knew of, you know, and it worked as well as it did because they actually had a really, really good creative kind of with Tony Gilroy. But I, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, we're, like we're falling back into the same old tropes. We're still getting the same old Star Wars characters that we know, you know, that with Book of Boba and with Obi Wan. Like at the very least, I'm like, I wanted to see some more original stuff because Favreau and Filoni have hinted at many times that they are using the the expanded Mandalorian verse to kind of do exactly what Filoni did with the Clone Wars animated show, which is kind of fill in the gaps and kind of do some corrections on the on on the movies uh, that that people were not really that big a fan of so that's personally why i was looking forward to it and so we got the first episode this past wednesday chapter 17 the apostate and it's weird because i i'm again it's another situation like ant-man where i'm not exactly every one of the criticisms are not wrong but at the same time it's like i don't know they just they don't affect me as much because it's nothing new that people haven't been saying for years, you know? It, it's, it's, it's always that weird situation where it's like people are critiquing something the same way every single time it comes out, but they like it until they don't. Like, I don't know. Maybe you can shed some light on that because that's always a phenomenon that kind of confuses me in, in this Disney-controlled era of media that we live in. Yeah, that's, that's a very good point that people complain about it, but they still love it. I think 
where I might have that is Stranger Things. I think every finale is just Eleven yells at a thing with her hand in front of her and the power of love wins. But I still go back to it every time. Very excited. Uh, they'll probably do that for the fifth one, right? Just probably. But uh, but we'll go. We'll watch it anyway. Uh, exactly. But yeah, the Mandalorian. I I just post, posted it on my story like after the episode finished. You know, it, it's not like it's not Andor, but it, it's fun. It's harmless. It's just it's a it's a space adventure with, you know, just just a good time with a little funny green dude. Right, with a little funny green dude that is getting expressively more and more attention as time goes on. And yeah, it's weird because like the. Like like you said, the point about this being a video game, like that's kind of in a strange way. That's the exact reason why people liked it. You know, it's like people criticize it for a video game, but it's like I'm I'm like yeah, but for for I feel like for strange reasons, it's like because again, this is another instance where I feel like we have to differentiate between like the 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 Twitter crowd versus the regular people who like and watch this stuff. Because I still remember when Mandalorian season two was airing at the height of COVID. And um, and when I was working at the Gap, and I would overhear other people talking about it, and for them it was just like, yeah, it's like they're like Star Wars was back, and the fact of, of the matter was it was them, and I'm talking like these are people in like their 50s and 60s, keep in mind too, but these are people who still pretty much were only familiar with Star Wars from the movies, and were very very much disappointed by the new movies that we got, but the fact that they were getting the characters that they were familiar with, they almost didn't really care about the story it was just that like you said they were getting like kind of this weekly adventure which in a like i said it's in a strange way kind of gets back to the origins of television i remember this was something that chris and i debated all the time because chris is not a fan of that style of television at all and i understand why i'm not a fan of that style of television either it's a reason why i stopped watching ncis with my family after years because i finally realized that it was the same thing over and over again but with with this it's the fact that my problems with the show are not necessarily with the format. It's how they implement the story because the story is, it's not bad. It is enjoyable, but it's the fact that because they have such this simplistic approach to it, it always feels like it detracts from what could be interesting, which is, and, and that kind of is where the video game style comes from, where it's like, Hey, the M Mando's got to do this thing, but first he's got to go some to another planet to get this thing in order to complete this one side mission. So you can move on to the next phase of this thing. And then he has to do, and and, and then it gets way late, and and attacked by some Jawas, and then he's got to go and, and do this other thing. So like that, that that sort of stuff is where I'm like, I get where everyone's coming from. That stuff kind of bothers me, but I don't know. You know, it's the fact that, like I said, it is the simplistic approach. It is the fact that again, you can because the character is for the most part a blank slate. You can pretty much graft yourself onto them. It is the fact that it is so well shot. The fact that the action is always on point. You know, but like you said, it's the fact that. I think the difference with the first two seasons and now is that the first two seasons had relatively little to no competition in the Star Wars verse. You know, they were the, really the only things worth watching on Disney Plus because the, the the crazy thing too, and I completely forgot this, is that Mandalorian predates Marvel even on Disney Plus because Mandalorian season two finished airing a week before, uh, sorry, uh, a couple weeks before WandaVision came out. And so we've had, the difference is that now with this new season, we've had all of this new Disney Plus content. We've had what? eight different Marvel shows. We have two Star Wars animated shows. We've had three other live action Star Wars shows, all of which have been to varying different, different degrees of success. So it, it's kind of, again, exactly what I was talking about with a lot of people, which is where, again, it is the Disneyification, franchiseification, which has now come to television, which for the most part had remained kind of free of that. You know, and now you're seeing it with all these other franchises, not just with the Disney stuff. You know, you're seeing it on HBO with Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon, how they're essentially trying, how HBO is trying to essentially turn their entire canon 
into franchises and spinoffs. You have that with AMC, obviously, with Better Call Saul. You have that in the animated verse. You know, Netflix is trying to hop on that with the Avatar. You know, the franchisification has come to TV now in a way that it really didn't exist before. So this is kind of the new landscape of television that we're living in. As far as the varying degrees of qual- degrees of success, I mean, it, it, as you know, you have the people who are going to be wringing their hands and be like, oh, I hate franchises. Why can't we just get original stuff? And then you have the other people who are going to be completely devoted and will tune in to watch every single new thing from their respective franchises, regardless of their uh, quality, because they don't care, because it's based off the thing that they like. And so, therefore, nothing that they make can possibly be bad. And then there's people like me who are just going to take what they get, understand that this is the current media landscape, and they're going to critique them individually as they come out because they are indefinitely going to be of varying degrees of quality. Uh, I, don't, I, I don't know. What, what, what's really your thought on that as far as, like, what, which of those three parties that I just outlined do you really fall into? Uh, so, like, in regards to the franchising yeah. TV? Yeah. Like, I guess we have to take into account that nowadays t- TV is the meta. You know, back in the day, you had, you had the movie actors and the TV actors, and the right. t- TV wasn't really considered anything all that prestige but nowadays if you're on a hbo show you're like ooh, you're you're the top dog like like look at look at hbo like everything they produce is just top top draw like even just going from from the last of us to the mandalorian i'm like oh yeah it, it, it's disney like, yeah uh uh but yeah i've been trying to get into more tv lately uh I think I think a good example, if we look at this, is DC. Like the latest announcement that they are doing both movies and TV. I think that says a lot. Right. Uh, Marvel are obviously trying that. Uh, they haven't been very successful at it because they're just trying to make six-hour movies. I uh, I think DC will be much more successful at that. Uh, but yeah, I think it's about different using different mediums, uh, but actually using them properly. You know, like like. Uh, like Andor did, or not like Obi Wan did, uh, but the Mandalorian, yeah, uh, it has been doing the the episodic thing, but it still has somewhat of an overarching story. And this season, I think we have to consider we've only seen thirty five minutes, right, exactly. of the whole season, right. Uh, and I've I've heard from just reading on Twitter that the second episode is like quite a bit better. There's more juice to it, so uh, yeah, I guess we'll just have to see it. Yeah, especially, yeah, the the week-to-week basis, obviously, is always going to be kind of a hit-or-miss thing because so many people were used to the binge model when Netflix introduced that, and I I know I've talked about that recently, but as far as the whole week-to-week thing goes, yeah, I feel like it feels like it's benefited every other streaming service except for Disney because, like you said, the fact that pretty much every Disney thing we got in the wake of The Mandalorian, with the exception of The Mandalorian World, they were trying to essentially make six to eight-hour movies spread out across several weeks. And I know for a lot of people that really irritated them, and I know I talked at nauseating length throughout the pandemic about how I'm like they needed to have like a uh, – uh, what, what, what was the term? They needed to have like a, like a content coordinator or something, I believe, is the term the Professor Pat dropped, where they had somebody who would look over each of their properties and determine whether it would be dropped all at once or whether it would be dropped week to week, similar to sometimes how Amazon does it, where Amazon will sometimes if they have a new thing that they're trying to get out there, they'll just drop everything at once. And then if it's successful, like a future season, they'll air the episodes week to week. That's what they did with the boys. But Disney is very much steered clear of that. They, do, they very much want to continue with the week to week models because at least I'm guessing with whatever behind-the-scenes research that they've done, they found that that is the best metric for success as far as gaining new subscribers. Not that that's doing them any favors in the behind-the-scenes thing because according to the financials, they are do it, they are in the toilet as far as that goes. But yeah, Mandalorian's always, again, the exception because it's the first thing they ever really did. So that's really the only one that still kind of abides by the episodic TV rules. But like you said, 
I'm glad that you keep bringing up Andor because I guess the difference is that what sets this apart now and why Mandalorian has a little bit of a higher hill to climb, besides the fact that it's not the only thing that people are tuning in to watch on Disney Plus anymore, is the fact that Andor essentially is that, again, we are living in a post-Andor world now where Andor essentially did what HBO has been doing for years, where it brought back, it was able to mix the traditionalist episodic TV format with the high level of prestige storytelling and craft that we've been getting for years from HBO and now recently from places like Amazon, Hulu, and Apple TV Plus in order to make a just really, really amazingly well-crafted TV show that people wanted to tune in to watch for a week, that people were got invested in because of the character, because they felt that there was a story that was going somewhere. And it didn't matter that it was ultimately, inevitably leading towards something we already knew was going to happen with the events of Rogue One because everything that we were seeing was just so awesome and well set up and well written and well entrenched that then when you kind of have to go back to this, which is back to like video game level side quests that kind of just entertain you for 30 minutes with some cool action, you know? And you like, really I feel, feel like... the length of the exactly. episode, 30 minutes. Oh, that's that's done. Oh, right, exactly. Okay. And not to mention the fact that, again, it's like you almost forget how short the episodes are too because, like, again, these are not... It would be one thing if these were, like, hour-long episodes, but they're not. It's always the typical Disney thing of, like, 30 to 35-minute-long episodes with... 10 to 15 minutes of credits because they have to give credit to all of the thousands of VFX people that have worked on each one of these things, you know? And, and, and every single one of these episodes always comes to such an abrupt halt. You know, it also doesn't help that this episode ended on a cliffhanger too, which it, which it's like, I mean, again, we'll, we'll break it down on a week-to-week basis as they as the episodes continue to come out. But it's like, yeah. So, so it already has those kind of things going against it. And also just for this episode alone, I mean, we got what, like, Two cool action sequences. Like, I like the Starfighter fight. That was cool. But the beginning, when it's like, you don't know if it's a flashback or not, and they're and, and they're they're inducting that new kid into that the, was a good the, fake out. I yeah, it was, it was it was it was a, it was a good fake out. out. I thought that was cool because they, they, they very purposely cast that kid to look like a younger Pedro Pascal. And then this giant like crocodile thing comes out of the water, and I just I don't know that 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 opening sequence was a little bit too goofy for me in terms yeah. of like. Yeah, it, it is pretty obvious that they're like stalling for time here, you know. And like we we've talked about this before. I, I literally talked about this with Brandon two weeks ago when we were talking about Quantum Mania, which is like the idea of it's like when when especially with Disney properties when you become aware that they are stalling for time because they do not have that much story. And the worst part is that that opening sequence was just to reiterate it for people who may not have seen Book of Boba Fett because I swear to God, I'm pretty sure they're copying word for word. What they what 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 the armor told Mando in the second half of Book of Boba Fett when he's going to get Grogu, which is like you know you have to redeem yourself, and and in order you know because you took off your helmet, and, and so you have to redeem yourself in the eyes of the Creed, and and this time again the new the new mission is again because they they've they've completely retconned it because they're like oh shit we can't have a Mandalorian show without Grogu because that's part of the marketing efforts of the show, so they had Book of Boba Fett there in order to just uh, get Grogu back with Mando, and you know forget the fact that the show was called Book of Boba Fett. And then they have now essentially created this new thing, which is where, okay, in order to keep Mando and Grogu together, because they're now bonded or whatever, uh, that he has to now go to Mandalore, which it's like, in the past, I would have been like, oh, cool, we're going to see Mandalorian in live action. And now I'm just like, eh, whatever. You know, we, we've Mandalore has been conquered and, re- and retaken back and reconquered and retaken back so many different times in the animated sphere that honestly, and, and also at this point, I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm past the point of like, oh, the live action shows uh, catering to people who don't watch the animated stuff. Because guess what? I have, and the animated stuff is still better than the live action stuff for the most part. Except unless it's Andor. Andor is the only thing that still measures up to the animated stuff for me. So with that being said, um, 
What's it called? I, I think that's a good place to stop because I feel like we've said everything that we need to say about The Mandalorian. So what, what were your final thoughts and star rating for the premiere, Chapter 17, The Apostate? I think it was a it was a decent opening. I think it, I think it's the weakest opening of the three Mando uh, seasons. Yeah. But judging by the trailers, it could be the best season. Like, right. We, we really don't know what's going to happen yet. Uh, it could be Mandalorian Civil War or something. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's Disney. They... Maybe they haven't figured out how to make this into a into a really great overarching season right. type of show. Or maybe they that, don't care about making it into a great overarching thing because now they have so many other things. They've essentially, again, they've done another cinematic universe where, again, even though Obi-Wan and Andor are their own things, Book of Boba ties directly into this, and the two other live-action Star Wars things that we're getting this year, Ahsoka and Skeleton Crew, are both also tying directly into this new universe, this post-Return of the Jedi era that they've set up. You know, Again, they have all this time now in between... Um, Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens, and if if what they're doing on Bad Batch as well is, is to be believed, then again, my my again, I I'm saying this, I'm calling this right now. I for the most part have not been wrong with my predictions, and at least since the movies, which is since they screwed up with the movies, which then again they are attempting to retcon and fill in and cor- and course correct for the new trilogy that we got over the last couple of years, which is that again the finale of Bad Batch is called Clone Force ninety nine. They are talking in that show about the Kaminoans and how they want to use the Kaminoans to further cloning. So I'm like, okay, so this, this is the this, this is setting up for the, the Palpatine comeback after he dies for in Rise of Skywalker. I'm like, this is going to be their attempt in order to course correct for that. But the difference is that, again, the prequels, the difference is that what the Clone Wars did for the prequels versus what this new set of Star Wars shows are going to do for the old for the new movies is that the prequels still were based in like, I think some good original creative storytelling that were ultimately just way down by where Lucas wanted to focus his priorities, but those still felt like so one one core original focused vision, which is something I cannot say for the new movies at all. Every one of those movies felt like just so random and out there and just like it was so deviating so hard from the previous one. Those movies do not feel cohesive together at all. So honestly, if they could pull anything off as far as correcting for those movies, bravo, I give them credit. But yeah, I, I, I don't know personally, you know, but anyways, fine, what, your star rating? Uh, I think a, a 3.5. Yeah. Like, it was good, but, you know, I'm not going to shout about it. Yeah, that's kind of what I feel about this as well. So, let's move on to the thing that, again, apparently, like I said, we were on completely opposite sides of the fence on, which is Creed 3, which is that, yeah, I mean, I guess going into it, like, the reason why I was looking forward to Mandalorian before was because, again, I even though it had been a significant amount of time, I still had the, the you know, the, the, the force, the impact of season two and, like, that finale. And, like, at the end of the day, like, season two, man, that action was so awesome in that season, you know? Versus Creed 2, coming out of Creed 2, going into Creed 3, I'm like, not going to lie, after how awesome that first Creed was and just how unexpected it was and just the fact of like how that brought the Rocky franchise essentially back from extinction and also it was our introduction to Michael B. Jordan as this superstar, as this upcoming superstar and Ryan Coogler as this rock star director and how that led directly into him getting Black Panther, and which has essentially now kind of become like the last good sub-franchise of the MCU. And so... And then kind of because Coogler obviously went over to Disney with Black Panther, that kind of left Creed 2 a little bit hanging. And, like, the the Creed franchise has always been so weird because it's, like, because everything has to be a franchise now. It's always weird because every Creed movie I feel like that we've gotten, I'm like, I feel like it could have just ended there. Like, when Creed 1 ended, I'm like, okay, we can just end this here. This is good. And then Creed 2 comes out. And the movie's, I'm like... That's all right. You know, it's it's not as good as the first. It was always going to be disappointing compared to the first one, but like it was still serviceable. You know, Stephen Cable Jr. directs that well. Stallone's clearly more involved in this. You know, the, the plot is like 
it's another Rocky movie, but this time it, it, it's it, it's with the uh, it's with the juniors effect. You know, they seem to be like doing exactly what what the internet is making fun of them for, which is where they're just using Creed as the substitute in order to fight all of Rocky's old enemies. You know, this time in the in the form of uh in the form of uh, uh Ivan Drago's son Victor Drago. And then that movie ended, and Rocky's he leaves Philly. He moves to Canada to be with his son. Oh, they brought back Milo Ventimiglia from Rocky Balboa, which I thought I'm like, okay, that's cool. You know that they continue to like actually pay more attention to the to the um to the continuity of the Rocky franchise. And Shout out to Jess from movies. Gilmore Girls. Exactly, and uh, for for me, it's uh, P- uh not uh, P- uh not Peter, the younger uh, son. Uh, no, 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 yeah, Peter from Heroes, and uh, the the dad from This Is Us, and uh, a lot of other things that Milo Ventimiglia has done over the years. But uh, so I thought that was cool. But again, that movie also, I'm like, yeah, this this could have ended here. You know, like, why, why, where do we need to go from here? And then I heard for a while that, you know, Creed 3 was going to happen. And then I, and that Michael B. Jordan was going to direct. But then we had to sit through COVID. And I'm like, okay, is this movie even going to happen? And then last, last year in the fall, we got the trailer for it. And I was blown away. I was like, whoa. I was like, I was not expecting this to be in this to go in this direction. You know, the fact, I guess just because I was so surprised that they actually pulled off a movie set in the Rocky verse without Stallone or Rocky Balboa's involvement. So, like, take it from there, Luke. Like, 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 walk me through your thoughts, like, when that trailer first came out, like, what your thoughts were. So when when that trailer came out, I hadn't seen any Rocky movies. Uh, wow. But obviously, I knew of them. I knew the, knew right. the tropes. I knew that he ended the Cold War. Uh, <laughs> Still one of the was... best bits of, like, behind-the-scenes movie trivia ever. Uh, what what is that? What trivia? With, 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 with Rocky Four, it's just not, it's been a long running joke that the rewatchables have oh, gotten a bunch of different people talking about how Rocky Four ended. I think it's like, well, that's like one of the earliest like internet movie like behind like 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 f- just fun theories to do is that like Rocky Four ended the Cold War. It's just always funny when I look back at just how utterly utterly ridiculous that movie is. Where I think that's the only bad movie that's so bad it's good that like I would could almost make an argument that like I don't know like I actually enjoyed that movie I haven't seen that movie in years but like the way that I hear people talk about that movie as far as like people who watch it when it came out versus people who watch it now you know it's just it's, it's always a fun bit of trivia for me but yeah anyway I saw that trailer and I thought Ooh, this is really intriguing like you have these this uh these two childhood friends and then they go at it at the end like Whoa, that that you're I'm in like I'm gonna watch every Rocky movie every Creed movie and I'll be ready and then so I did, and I was very, very hyped, and it it lived up to the expectation, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I agree. One of the it's so weird when we talk about the fact that wow, an awesome trailer came out. I'm really excited for it. And the movie, it, I'll be at a few problems aside, I'm like, actually lived up to the hype. It actually was really good and really enjoyable and really fun. Like I was watching it, I was watching it last night, I was in the IBAX theater. And yeah, first of all, I mean, just the fights alone are insane. But like, I'm like, oh my god! I'm like, they made an actual good movie for theaters. Now, I mean, granted, I mean, I'm being a little bit facetious here because, for the most part, I think that I've been pretty satisfied with every movie that I've seen so far this year. At least of the ones that I've seen in theaters. You know, Megan was a lot of fun. Infinity Pool was very intriguing. Knock at the Cabin was way better than I was expecting it to be. I think so far the only theater going movie that was been disappointing was Quantum Mania, which was. Got, again, got review bomb before that even had a chance to like really, you know, show to really make an impact. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the slate of the few movies we've gotten so far at the beginning of the year have been like really surprisingly impressive, you know, and like we, because I think we're finally at this point where we're finally getting like Hollywood is finally adjusted in the post COVID wave. They finally like re- figured out how to make movies again. And for the most part, I, I think again, we're, we're continuing after this trend in the fall where for the most part, every movie that I saw in the fall, I was 
for the most part, very, very excited about and enjoyed very much. And yeah, th- this was actually good where you're right. When that trailer came out, I, I, I think I heard, I heard rumors that Jonathan Majors is going to be in it. You know, Majors is now like kind of the new superstar, you know, as Kang. And now that he's in this movie, I saw someone call him the number one draft pick. Uh, I, they, they, would not, they would not be wrong there because he, again, and, and also he, he had a Sundance movie early open in January called magazine dreams, which Kristen has told me he will more than likely win an Oscar for. And if it's anything like his performance in this movie, I will definitely see where he's coming from because um, th- just the fact that like, Okay, so, so first we, we got to break down the Marvel of it all because, again, it, it's a franchise movie and naturally Marvel infects every franchise movie, which is, again, the fact that we've got two Mar- two Marvel villains going at each other. One who was regarded as one of the best one-off Marvel villains ever and another one who is being set up as the new Marvel big bad in the wake of Thanos, um, Eric Killmonger versus Kang the Conqueror. I, I've been joking about this since the trailer for this came out. I still think they missed a golden opportunity as far as marketing this goes, but I, I that all of a sudden, uh, that, that dynamic, I think, has seeped into their professional lives as well not just with um not just within the movie itself because you've almost got in a weird way like out of where Michael B Jordan's career has gone to since the first Creed movie you know where he he's got like Michael B Jordan starts out as this child actor in the late 90s early 2000s you know he's booking a ton of HBO roles you know guest spots on Sopranos he's in that Keanu Reeves movie Hardball he's got one of the most memorable and tragic arcs in the first season of The Wire where his performance is Wallace which has since become like an iconic HBO character performance. Um, then he's got the string of TV roles throughout the 2000s. He's on shows like Parenthood. He's on Friday Night Lights uh, as one of the later show entries. And then once the 2010s roll around, he, you know, he starts to make his transition into feature films. Uh, he's in Chronicle. He's in that awkward moment. But then he, for, like people start, to, I feel, like really start to pay attention to him with the his first collaboration with Ryan Coogler's directorial debut, Fruitvale Station. He's in a movie called Red Tails. And then... Creed is obviously his big breakout, but people forget that also he was in the, in a strange way, B. Jordan kind of pursued the exact same route as Chris Evans, which is kind of hilarious where he's in yet another really bad Fantastic Four movie as the Human Torch before he's scooped up by Marvel. Uh, The only difference is that unlike Chris Evans, who got to play this iconic role as Captain America for 10 years, he's uh, he's a one-off villain, albeit an incredible one-off villain, you know, could flee to the trifecta. A two-off villain, you might say. A two-off villain, true, even though his his cameo was kind of forever. But he has officially kind of, you know, him and Coogler kind of made their stance as the 21st century version of like the Scorsese De Niro, where every time you get these two working together, they're going to strike gold. And then COVID happens. And Kugler, so obviously, you know, after Creed, I think he's got like a few other things, but for the most part, again, it's everyone's waiting for Black Panther because he's filming Black Panther. Black Panther comes out. That's a phenomenon. That's a revelation. And then he does one like kind of Oscar made movie that kind of fails called Just Mercy, which I believe the only thing that movie succeeded was getting a SAG award for Jamie Foxx. And that was it. And then COVID happens and it kind of goes away. And we're like, well, what happened to Michael B. Jordan? You know, I mean, it's weird because, again, we, we don't have movie stars anymore the same way that we do. But, like, I feel like Michael B. Jordan was, like, the closest thing that we got to that. I, I think with the exception of, like, this Tom Clancy adaptation that goes directly to Amazon called Without Remorse. And he doesn't do anything. We don't see him. And now he's back for another Creed movie. This time he's directing it. But you have this other guy, Jonathan Majors, who kind of came out of nowhere. You know, had been working in theater for a while. Had been in a, a couple of small things here and there. But really kind of breaks out around the same time that B. Jordan goes away. Because he's got Captive State and Last Black Man in San Francisco in 2019. Then he's in Lovecraft Country in 2020. Then he officially makes his his first appearance in the MCU as Kang in 2021. And, I feel, and there's one other thing that he's in there too that I'm currently forgetting about. But so you want this kind of like... 
Yeah, that. thank you. Yeah, exactly. Devotion at the end of last year, which people thought he was going to get nominated for and then didn't. And now, like I said, even though it hasn't been released wide yet, he had Magazine Dreams at Sundance, which, I heard, which again, people are already slating him to be up for the next Oscar. So you have this, like, this interesting dynamic already going on between the two of them behind the scenes as far as, like, Majors almost being, like, the new kid on the block that's there to take Michael B. Jordan's spotlight. So you have that going on behind the scenes. And that's before we even actually get into the movie itself, which is where... I don't know if this was, like, intentional, but, like, they almost kind of use that dynamic in order to fuel the direction that the story goes with how they introduce this new character and where they're taking uh, Michael B. Jordan's character in, quite frankly, a direction that I was not expecting and also was not expecting for them to go as dark as they did. You know? I don't know. Like, like well, I've talked enough. What, 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 are, what are your thoughts on that, on that whole thing? Yeah, now that you bring that up, I think that is an interesting dynamic. Uh and just watching interviews with them, they seem to be really enjoying each other's company. They've said that they want to work together a lot more often, like a De Niro and Pacino almost, right. which I'm, 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 I'm all for, for it. I'm for that. I am the, all the, for it, that it, if that happens. Be sensational. Uh, and yeah, they, I think they worked extremely well together in the movie. Uh, Majors with his performance, you know, Michael B. Jordan, he's giving a good, good performance, but Majors is just, he's yeah. just knocking it out of the park. He's, at the beginning, he's super sympathetic, like in that diner scene, like even with the small facial expressions. And by the middle of the movie, he's like this this evil dude who's like <laughs> come, to, come to take he's come to take his life. Uh, so, and by the end of it, I, I didn't know who to root for. Like right. he's this, he's this awful guy, but you also really like him because it's right, Jonathan that's, Majors, I, and it's like oh my god, I don't want either of them to lose. But... Right, you know, it's it's so weird like that. They never did pull up because again, just just as far as Rocky goes, you know, Rocky always had this. So because again, Stallone always has to be the hero in everything that he's in. Like you always had this cut dry dynamic of like again, like so who who is the next crazy larger than life villain that that Rocky's gonna face? You know, oh man, he faces Apollo again and he wins. Oh man, he's got Mr. T. Oh man, he's got this Russian monster. And then Rocky Five is like such a step down that I'm still convinced that that's the reason why people didn't like that movie um and then balboa comes out and balboa is really good it's like kind of like a new reboot so, but that movie almost like is an excuse to show stallone being like yeah i still got it you know it was like in this weird transition where he was getting older but he wasn't quite old enough to be in like that you know the, the twilight years of his life to, to do, start doing the clint eastwood thing you know i, I know clint eastwood was doing was kind of do, doing some similar things as well with his directing in, in the two but eastwood wanted to focus more on directing here but what this movie pulls off as far as not doing what I didn't like about Creed 2, which is what the biggest thing that I didn't like about Creed 2 is that Creed 2 was essentially just another generic Rocky movie. It didn't have like the magic touch that that first Creed did, you know? But this one, and I don't know if this was B. Jordan just taking some notes from Coogler and the fact that Coogler is so good at what he does and that then that B. Jordan has pretty much been there for every step of Coogler's journey. But he managed to tap into something that I didn't think was possible, which is where he managed to give a new lens to the character of Adonis Creed. He managed to pull back and show that maybe this character is not as squeaky clean as we thought. And, like, he wasn't to begin with. You know, he had a little bit of an of a rough upbringing, you know, coming from the group home that he was in after the death of his mother and the fact that Apollo died before he had a chance to really take care of him. And then Apollo, you have Apollo's widow coming in to essentially save him. And then you have, you know, the, everything that happens in the first Creed. But this, 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 the fact that he takes it where you have this other character that came in from his past and you're totally expecting it. You're totally expecting it to be this generic. Oh, this guy was a bad influence. Oh, you know they got into some rough and tumbles. You know they were boys. They were friends. They were brothers. But like you know, he was always getting in trouble. And then this was the one instance where B. Jordan got a, where Adonis got away, but Damien took the fall. 
And it totally takes that and twists it on its, on its head. Where the movie opens up and you have the flashback that you see in the trailers where um where uh what's it called where you have uh uh Donnie accompanying Damien to this underground boxing fight that he's going to, and you realize that like Oh my God, like this kid Damien was supposed to be the next big thing. And if this tragic accident that happened that, that they slowly reveal as a result of their time together in the boys in the in the boys' home that he was in before uh before uh, uh, Apollo's widow adopted him, like this guy, I'm, I'm like, oh my god, like Donnie kind of did steal this guy's whole life, and now he's been he's been riding high off of the wave of success that he's had since you know revealing himself to the world that like He's completely forgotten about his past. He's forgotten where he came from. And, like, that's kind of a really interesting and different kind of a story development that, again, not only did I not see coming, but, like, really was the the next jumping point that you needed in order to continue, in order to make this, like, as fresh and good as it was. And so when Majors Damien gets released from jail and the arc that he goes through throughout the movie, it's almost, I think, like, comparable to Donnie's arc in that first movie where Donnie's whole arc in that first movie is... You know, he's got this chip on his shoulder. He's got the whole world ahead of him. He was saying he was ultimately given a lifeline from this horrific, awful situation that so many people find themselves in in this country, and and, and was essentially saved. But he just could not. He could just could not escape from this pull that he felt back towards this world of boxing, which caused him to seek out uh, Balboa and pursue his father's legacy and all that. And now you you have you have Major's character who is essentially coming in to show, okay, this is what Donnie would have been like if he hadn't been saved by Apollo's widow, if he hadn't found Rocky, if he hadn't done that. I'm like, this is the 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 dark side of Donnie's journey. And like, it almost does exactly what I love about like what I call the Dark Knight effect, which is like the perfect opposite of your character, you know, where it's like, I'm like, this guy is everything that Donnie could have been, you know? and the, But the fact that like, the, the fact that like, he is like kind of this evil genius, but like you still understand his motivation step by step. I don't know. Like it's just, it's, it's, it's genius. I, I don't understand. I, I have no idea how they pulled this off, especially since one of the writers of this movie is Zach Balin, who I've been pretty disappointed by everything that he's done. He wrote King Richard, which was snooze fest. And he did some other HBO show that I thought was just kind of mediocre, but I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. I still don't know how they pulled this off. I think it's, it's simple, like it's a Rocky movie. It doesn't need to be extravagant, but they definitely made it. Like, I think it's the most personal uh, villain. I guess you call him a villain. I always call the Rocky uh, characters opponents or antagonists because they're not really villains. They're 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 your your boxing opponent. But this right. this time he he really does turn into a villain at some points, and and that's great to see. Uh, but yeah, I think the personal aspect does add the most to it because you're so invest, incredibly invested. And like you mentioned, the the, the dark side, uh, Adonis, as you might call him. And there's that great shot of them uh, before the the middle fight where they're looking at each other through the wall. Like it's, I mean, it's a little bit cheesy, but also it works really well. Uh, I guess Michael B. Jordan thought, oh, this is a really cool shot. I'm going to do this. And, yeah. you know, fair enough. I thought he, he, he definitely made the movie his own. Um, you know, I think Adonis is, he's building his own little legacy as a Creed franchise and is trying to step out of the Rocky franchise um, because I really, I don't know, I didn't feel the absence of Stallone right. in this. I think it's evolved past the need for him to be there. Right. I, I, I couldn't agree with that more, especially since like, and it's funny because you even, you even saw Stallone 
because Stallone just cannot let any franchise that he has essentially jump-started go because, and again, it's understandable because, you know, Stallone essentially, like, created Rocky from scratch. You know, he wrote that script and worked his ass off in order to try and get to it, you know, when he was broke and and, and had no money. And, um, you know, he, he, he essentially created the Rambo franchise. He created the Expendables franchise. Stallone is very, very much attached and invested in all the franchises that he does. And so the fact that, like, again, like, the fact that he was willing to let, like, his baby, the thing that made him who he is, go to this new wave. And now how it's kind of evolved past him. That in and of itself is already insane as well. And it just checked as well. So so Kugler and um so so Kugler and um and, and his brother Keenan wrote this along with Zach Balin. So that's probably where you get the personal aspect stuff from. But yeah, I, I I couldn't agree with any of that more because like the the fact that this franchise has turned into yeah this is Adonis Creed's franchise you know um the the fact that again this this is they're like yeah this is a character piece you know this is about confronting your inner darkness this is about you know like kind of what happens when you this this movie is all about when you, what what happens when you forget about where you came from when you forget you know when when you kind of like start to get a little bit too high up there and cocky and it's funny because I was having this conversation with my dad yesterday and my dad said that he wasn't necessarily looking forward to this movie because he just doesn't feel the same. now again my my dad is probably the number one biggest Sylvester Stallone fan I've ever met and like he loves anything that Stallone does at all and and his big thing that he said as to why he wasn't a big fan of Adonis Creed as a character versus Rocky is that he's like Rocky always had heart. Um, Donnie's got a chip on his shoulder and, and it makes him like, like less enjoyable to watch. And I understand that because again, there's a certain amount of sentimentality that, that I feel like older viewers like getting from their movies as opposed to us, you know, us younger people where again, we want our characters to be morally great. We like it when our characters have a little bit of darkness, you know, we, we, people our age, I feel typically gravitate more so towards the villains and the bad guys and stuff because they just are always more interesting and more compelling. And that's what led to this wave of anti-heroes that we got on TV that sort of transitioned into movies for a bit. And I think this movie kind of gets back to that, which is why I enjoy it so much. Because again, as devious as Damien is in this movie, it does show that like, yeah, Donnie is not exactly this best squeaky clean guy. You know, he's kind of arrogant. He's kind of full of himself. He's kind of just doing all this stuff because he thinks he can just walk on water now, you know, when this guy's here to take him down a peg, you know, prove that he can be humble again in a strange way. Kind of similar to what happened between Rocky 4 and 5, where as problematic as Rocky 5 did, was, I understand what they were going for in terms of Rocky is now at the biggest and highest that he has ever been, and he's got to be taken down a couple pegs, you know? And while this movie does not necessarily, I, I think this movie does a much, much better job in terms of how it handles that and its ending than with Rocky 5, I still think that it's kind of similar in the sense of where Donnie needs to be brought down a peg because... He has ultimately forgotten where he came from. You know, he's this mega superstar boxing heavyweight champion of the world turned entrepreneur. He's got all these sponsorship deals and everything. But when you have this guy who is looking at him in his jail cell and is like, wow, that could have been me. Like, it it just takes the chip on his shoulder to like a whole, whole new level, you know? And not to mention the fact that, like I said, it's complimented by the B. Jordan majors back and forth. And honestly, I'm with you in terms of that sense. If this is our new De Niro Niro, uh, Pacino actor duo that we get, more to it. I just hope, my only hope is that we just get them in more original movies and not as many, as much franchise stuff, you know? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Like you mentioned, it is more of a a step down for uh, Adonis. and you need that otherwise it's just the same thing over and over again uh he has to battle his own inner demons to go out and beat the shit out of this other dude 
Of course, that's channeled in the trading scene. You gotta have the trading scene. Gotta have the trading can't, scene. Can't have a Rocky movie without the trading scene. Uh, you see him like takes off the, the head guard to, when he's trading with Victor Drago. He's like, "Come on, let's go." That, that's just, that's just always a cool moment when yes. when the trading scene kicks off and they're like, "Okay, this is, this is real now." And then the build up into the fight, and then the fight itself. I think we got to talk about the the fight sequences that they are really well executed. Some yes. of the best of the franchise i don't think we'll ever get anything that beats that long take from uh, the first creed uh or that just moment when uh also in the first creed when he just kind of <gasps> wakes yeah. up like i, I just rewatched it now before we uh started this so cool but uh yeah no yeah. i i agree with that completely especially because again like Pete Jordan directs this, right? And like I said, he's very clearly taken a lot of influences from uh, from from Coogler and how he shot that first movie. But again, uh, and this is a thing that's been circling around the internet as well, is that in addition to and it's ironic because it ties into Mandalorian. Because again, the two biggest things that I find that people our age are invested in and why they just can't get invested in movies is because it's two things they're obsessed with. Video games, which is what applies to the Mandalorian, and anime. And as B. Jordan has said many, many, many times, he's like he was heavily, heavily influenced by anime. And I have seen a maximum of I think two animes total in my entire life. So I can't necessarily say it for me. It was like, yeah, but as far as like the action, the speed ups and the slowdowns, but like the way that they were hitting each other, the, you know, when he's fighting uh, Conlon in the, in the, in the, in the op- opening scene. And then obviously, you know, when majors is boxing with uh, his, his chant, his, um, his, his, uh, the, the guy who he's back in, the, whose name I'm currently forgetting, the Spanish guy. Um, and then obviously in the final fight, you know, the, like the way that they're hitting each other with how it's kind of slightly sped up and then with the slowdowns, whatever, you got the close-up of them clocking each other on the side. Like, that was all really well done. For me, I'm like, yeah, that's just like, like he's taking influence from Zack Snyder. But like, I don't know, as somebody who is officially almost done with Attack on Titan, what, how, how do you I, I, I'm done. I've animal? caught up. Oh, you finished it. Okay. But, but there's the last... <laughs> Today they released season four, part three, part one, and and they're, they're four, part three part, part two, Netflix, Netflix has got to stop with that. Like this, this it's is not Netflix. Unbearable. It's not Netflix. Oh, it's not. It's, it, no, oh. it's it's whoever does well. Attack on Titan. I'm not sure, but the, the finals coming in uh, the fall. Okay. But anyway, uh, yeah, that's the only one I've seen. But this definitely won't be the last. Uh, but even even like anyone who doesn't watch anime can tell that there's some influences, like the like the close-ups on the eyes or the. I think, remember, I call this the Super Saiyan sequence <laughs> where they enter their own little domain. Yes. Uh, there's like one shot that I remember where like it, the, the depth of field kind of like warps and he goes like boom, boom, boom. I'm not sure if I'm remembering it correctly, but it was something really cool. And you got to add something new to the fight sequences, like add a, add a literal cage behind you or whatever. Yeah. Like make it a little fantastical. You know, why not? We haven't seen that before make it stand out he is the director after all he's of course he's gonna spice it up a bit and i really i really enjoyed that yeah it was it was really cool it was really really well done my whole thing is it's like again i i I don't i i don't watch this again i don't play video games i don't watch anime but whenever it is implemented in my favorite medium that my favorite storytelling medium that being movies i always appreciate it because when you because again the reason why we so much of the time those adapt those direct adaptations of stuff sucked was because it was being adapted by people who had no knowledge and no understanding of the material that they were adapting and therefore would always try to implement this like really terrible hollywood approach and it would always end up sucking but now that you have this new wave of creatives 
who are inve heavily invested in this stuff and very, very much enjoy this. You know, again, B. Jordan, I, I didn't know he was an anime fan, but honestly, it doesn't surprise me because considering how many people are fans of anime, you know, for me, the biggest reason why I can't get into anime is because, again, I'm sorry, I, I don't, I don't want to watch them taking 20 minutes long to throw a punch. I'm sorry, I don't. I'm used to quick, quick, uh, quick punch action. You know, and uh, it's ironic. I will show one thing that. Uh that you will recognize from the from the movie, which I thought was really cool, which is apparently this uh, from also Dragon Ball Z. Yes. You've heard of Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, I, I have heard of this... Yes, and, and like, and, but but the thing is that like that's not the first time that's been used because again, if we're gonna go really quick, that was a thing that like they did in Rocky Two. That's exactly how Rocky Two ended when Rocky and Apollo knock each other out and they're fighting to see who can climb up first and Rocky climbs up first before Apollo does, you know, like that, like, like, so that's not necessarily something I'm like, okay, where did that actually come from? Cause you always see that happen on the internet where you're like, Oh, this came from this thing, which came from this thing. And I'm like, are we sure we're getting that order of who adapted this from this? Got that right. You know? So like that, that I that's just thought it was cool. I mean, it's slow-mo it's symmetrical. It's, it, it takes them out of that super Saiyan sequence. It was a nice way to, yeah. Like, ooh, we're in round 12 now, right. by the way. And, like, again, I, I'm not somebody who, like, is going to pretend that, like, I don't incorporate anime, you know, anime uh, slogans and terms into my everyday language, you know, because, again, it's, um, what's you know, I, I always make jokes about One Punch Man, you know, and, like, Super Saiyan and stuff like that, you know, because, again, all my friends have done that, and I'm naturally going to do what they do because that, that's what people do. But, yeah, it's, um, like, like I said, the, the, the point being is that influ the influences – from these two mediums that for the longest time have not been done well are finally seemingly being done well and in the way that they should be doing, you know? So it's like, while this is not an anime movie, the fact that he made this such an important part of the marketing, knowing exactly who it was going to appeal to and the fact that it worked out as well as it did, that's the stuff that I respect and appreciate him for. And the only really thing that I have left to add to this conversation is... Can we please be done with these movies now? Like, and like I said, every single one of these movies has ended in a way where I'm like, okay, we don't need another one. You know, Creed 1 ended. I'm like, okay, we don't need another one. Then we got Creed 2. Then Creed 2 ended. And I'm like, okay, we really don't need another one. And then we got Creed 3. And I'm like, oh, fine, whatever. And then this movie is actually really good. But the way this movie ended, I'm like, please, for the love of God, can we be done with this stupid franchise now? You know, like, I, I love it. I love every single movie in this franchise in its own way. I think it's one of the only franchises where even the weakest ones I don't really have that much of a problem with but that being said can we please be done like we got it we, we you know well, we get apparently it. there's a fourth coming so <sighs> he, he has said never mind never mind <laughs> I, I i give up i i just i give up we're, we're that's what this is now it's just franchises we, we can't get it i'm like i was about to say like could you imagine if we got an original boxing movie what a concept you know but the, but the, I, I guess the difference is that whenever we get an original boxing movie we get something like bleed for this which was good but nobody watched it so yeah i don't i don't know what to say well i don't know you know miles teller is a pretty big star now after top gun so who knows maybe if bleed for this came out now as opposed to when it did maybe more people will watch it but who knows you know but like it's funny i was listening to this on rewatchables but like do you remember remember southpaw with jake Gyllenhaal? Remember that movie i remember it i haven't seen it right exactly but my point being is that like that movie came out in theaters i saw it in theaters in 2015 that movie would never get made now ever 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 it would have to be ad adapted or, or tied into some greater overall existing franchise because that's but the thing today, about today i saw a video of jake gyllenhaal doing a weigh-in at ufc right for, for, for so... the thing for roadhouse going directly to amazon oh well yeah there you go there I didn't you go know it was exactly but but again that proves my point as far as like we, we can't it sucks because we still are capable of getting awesome movies but not unless they are part of they are eventized and part of this like gigantic already existing um franchise as part of the american corporate uh movie making machine because it's funny i'm talking to one of my friends from the acting school 
where I tend now. And he was like, yeah. Uh, I, I was telling him, I'm like, yeah, I, I have this understanding with most American movies that American movies are no longer movies. They haven't been for a while. They are products. And so when I go in, I am reviewing things as products. And that is essentially what they are now. You know, now while this was leaning slightly more so towards being an actual movie, it is still unfortunately a product. But with that being said, I still very much enjoyed it. I give it four stars. I had a lot of fun with this movie. I really, really enjoyed it. Luke, what about you? Yeah, I give it four stars as well. It's the first movie of the year where I thought, oh, yeah, let's go. The movies are back. Oh, not Cocaine Bear? I haven't seen Cocaine Bear. Oh, you yeah. got to watch Cocaine Bear. Cocaine Bear is just so much. It's, you know what it is? That movie is just so much dumb fun where it's, it's a movie that just knows exactly what it is, doesn't care at all, and just gives no fucks, and it's exactly what the trailer promises, and it's hilarious as a result. And, so, and I watched Plane today, and I knew I was going to love it. That That's just right, right. such, that, that, such that, a catered again, it, to me movie. It's, an, it's another movie where, again, they know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly who they're marketing, uh, who, they're, who their audience is. They know exactly what they're marketing for. More planes, more movies like that, please. I just wanted there, to acknowledge. There's a Plane sequel. It's called Yacht or something. Or Yacht. <laughs> That's how you know that they just have like completely run out of ideas for titles. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to acknowledge the two people that showed up in the in the chat. Thank you, uh, Perp Minded and uh, Jacques Eck for showing up in the channel. That uh, it was a blast having you guys on as well. Thank you guys for tuning into another episode of the Talking TV podcast. Like I said, this is only the beginning of March Madness. We'll be back next week. I'll be joined by Kristen and Dustin to break down the final half of You season four as well as Scream. Six in the meantime, Luke, we're, thank you for joining me today. Where can the good people follow you on the interwebs? You can follow me on Luke underscore views on the Instagram, uh, but also on my YouTube. I actually uploaded a little five-minute Creed video. Like, nice. I banged it out in one day, uh, trying shorter formats. I think it's working. Uh, we can leave the longer format to more special. Uh, but then another video is cooking, something Kingsman and Bond related. Nice, so, uh, nice. That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear, especially because, again, Apple TV Plus, Henry Cavill and Matthew Vaughn, Argyle, it's coming out later this year. So I, I hope so. I'm, I'm, well, they, they've said that it is set to be released this year, so I'm just waiting for oh, a release date. You know? And that's another thing that I forgot. Apple TV Plus is releasing Tetris, finally. Oh, like, I'm so excited for which has been like, again, we have been, I've been talking, Dustin, Dustin has been talking to me about this movie for literal years to the point where I didn't think it was actually coming out, and now it's finally coming out. So we will finally have something to review there when that comes out. We'll be talking about that once Dungeons & Dragons for a little bit, once Dungeons & Dragons comes out at the end of the month. But you can follow me at Movie Reviews across all platforms. Be sure to follow the official Talking TV podcast across all platforms. Be sure to subscribe to this channel on YouTube. Be sure to follow us on all of our social medias of the same name at Official Talk TV Podcast. This episode will be available to listen to on Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And for myself and Luke, you guys know the drill. 12 seasons of a short film and watch more fucking movies. We'll see you guys next time. Thank <laughs> you.